Praise the Lord. Happy Easter, Grace Fellowship. Can I have a little more house light, please, so I can see people's faces? There you are. Praise God. Look at y'all. Man, you're all filled all in over there. I'm speaking like my wife, like I'm from Tennessee or something, you know? So excited to be with you this morning. So excited to communicate the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with you this morning. So excited to communicate to you that he is unifying his church, for he is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. Amen? Amen. So the video that you just saw is pointing to an event coming up May 2nd that we would love for you to consider joining us with. We're gathering together primarily with two other congregations from New York City, but congregations from all over the York area in a unified effort of prayer and worship for the glory of God. This will be at Suburban High School. There's little handouts outside you can grab on your way out today. Thank you so much for considering that. Well, I am a little more than excited to be with you today. You know why? It's Easter. It's resurrection today, day, and we gather with more than a billion Christians all over the face of the planet to celebrate this one who is called life and love, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so I'm excited to be with you today. Would you be kind enough to join me as I pray for our time? Father, thank you that you are in the business of rolling stones today. You are in the business of bringing life where there's only death. Father, we confess to you There are so many self-made graves that we have fallen into. But none of them are too deep for you, God. You give us power to start all over again today. We thank you that your mercies are new every morning and that the same power that raised you from the dead, Jesus Christ, is available to us right now. So we count on you today to speak to us, to guide us, to lead us deeper into an awareness of your presence. We pray this all in the name of the one who gave everything, the name of Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, today I'm going to read from the book of Matthew. This is starting um, in chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord had came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. I would guess so. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Is it not amazing how often God says these three little words? Say them after me. Do not be afraid. That's actually four words, isn't it? I'm sorry. I'll catch up in a minute. For I know... That you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, who was dead. He is not here. He is risen. Yeah, you got it. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. (laughs) Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Today around the world, billions 
of people are celebrating Easter. It's the most celebrated event in history. It's more than a nice idea. It's actually a historical fact. So what's the big deal about the resurrection? I've heard people say this for years. You know, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But what difference does the resurrection make? Can I tell you, it makes an incredibly huge difference. So much so that the Apostle Paul said this, if Christ has not been raised from death, then we have nothing to preach. We have nothing to believe. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is a delusion and you are still lost in your sins. Paul says that the resurrection is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. There's over 100 references in the New Testament alone to the resurrection. And he said, if Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, we have nothing to believe. There's nothing to preach. All the martyrs have died in vain. All the money spent in the church has been wasted. And anything called Christianity is a complete waste of time. We might as well just close up shop and go to the beach. I mean, I'd still like to go to the beach. Anybody with me? There's no reason for any one of us to be here because it didn't really happen. He says it's the cornerstone. Our faith is hopeless in Christ if he did not raise from the dead. But 1 Corinthians 5, 20, 15, 20 says this, but the truth is that Christ has been raised from the dead. That means that he's alive today and he hasn't changed. The truth is Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and he's the same yesterday, today, and always. He's still alive. And you know how I know? I talked to him just this morning. I was listening to him speak to me just this morning. I'm listening to him speak to me right now. He is risen. Now look, I want this to be as practical as possible today. I know many of you are here, and welcome to Grace Fellowship Church. Is this your first time here? We are so grateful you're here. I want you to know something. We preach about a working faith here. In other words, our faith really makes a difference in the way that we live our lives. If my faith did not make a difference in Christ, it didn't make a difference in my life, I would just be better digging a ditch for Jesus. Amen? So I don't want to just kind of give some intellectual assent to something today. I want to talk to you from my heart. I want to talk to you from the Word of God. And I want you to come away knowing three simple truths that come from the fact that Jesus is still alive today. Here they are. His purpose is still unchangeable. Can you say that after me? His purpose is still unchangeable. His power is still available. And his promises are still reliable. So here's the first thing. His purpose is still unchangeable. You see, Jesus Christ is alive today. That means his purpose is still ongoing. Now look, if you had a purpose for your life here on planet Earth and you died and you were no longer here, it's impossible for you to fulfill your purpose because you're dead. You're not around anymore. But see, Jesus Christ is alive and his purpose is still unchangeable. He's in the same business that he was over 2,000 years ago. What's his business? John 10.10 tells us. Can you read it with me, please? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ is in the business of giving life to dead people? He is in the, light, the business of giving you life, not just partial life, but life to the fullest. He didn't say this, I've come that you might have religion and that religion might make you miserable. Jesus didn't say that, yet some of us believe that. I've come to dump a bunch of rules and regulations on you just to make sure that you don't have fun. Jesus Christ did not say that. 
You know, a lot of people think Christianity is about a bunch of don'ts. Don't do this, don't do this. Don't do that, don't drink, don't smoke, don't cuss, don't chew, don't run around with girls who do. Some of the most fun girls I've hung out around chew. My wife chews. No, she doesn't. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. She's not here. I can talk about her that way. Second service, she won't be here. If all Christianity meant was a bunch of don't things, then a dead person would be the most Christian person because they don't do anything. And that's not what Christianity means. Please, I plead with you, look to the person of Jesus Christ in the word of God to understand that Christianity is about life and light and love. It's not about squelching your good time. God is not a cosmic killjoy. God wants more for you than you want for yourself. He's in the business of setting people free. He's in the life-giving business. He said, I've come that you'd have life and life abundantly. Do you know life sells? You know, commercials, you've seen commercials before. You've got to get that kitchen magician. It gives you life, right? And you realize it breaks just like everything else breaks. Most people are not really living. Can I tell you that? They're just existing. They're on a treadmill. They get up in the morning. They go to work. They watch TV. They go to bed. They get up in the morning. They go to work. They watch TV. They go to bed. They go to the beach on the weekends, maybe sometimes. And they think they're living. And they're not. They're just existing. Jesus Christ said, I came that you would have life because you're not living unless you know God in your heart. Unless you have him at the center of your life, you are not living. Believe me, I know. I tried it the other way for so many years. I tried everything out there. Many of you know I was a practicing Buddhist before I came to Christ. I was a rebirther. I was a new ager. I used to sit and chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo and contemplate my navel. And can I tell you something? It never changed my life. Can I tell you who ambushed me with his love? His name is Jesus. And he changed my life forever. And he's the reason I get to stand before you today and tell you that I'm alive only by the grace of God. I, love, I meet a lot of people who say they're getting ready to live. You know, one of these days I'm going to start living. One of these days I'm really going to start living life to the fullest. When I retire... You're there looking forward to something. Oscar Wilde said, the rarest thing in the world is to find somebody who is truly alive. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. The word life is used over 200 times in the New Testament alone. He said, I've come that you have life and life to the fullest. He's not talking about overeating. He's talking about a life that is meaningful, a life that is full. His purpose has not changed. It was his purpose then, and it is his purpose now. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn you. I came to change you. I didn't come to make you feel guilty. I came to relieve your guilt. I didn't come to rub it in. I come to rub it out. We don't need a good teacher, although he was that. We need somebody who can save us. We need somebody who can save us from our sins. And a lot of people have a conception that God is not the one who brings life. If I really give my life to Jesus, then he'll restrict me with all these do's and don'ts, and he'll make my life miserable. If I give my life to Christ, he'll restrict me. He'll drag me off to some malaria-filled swamp somewhere and make me preach the gospel to people. 
Look, if one of my children came to me, and by the way, my kids are 19, 21, and 23, 22. I don't know. If my wife were here, she could tell me how old my kids are. But if one of them came to me at any point in their lives and said, Daddy, I love you. I want to do what's right. Please show me what's right. I'll do whatever you say. Now, can you imagine if I said to them, this is exactly the moment I've been waiting for. You, son, are going to regret this day the rest of your life. I have been waiting for you to make this commitment. Now, you are going to do math problems five hours a day, eat Brussels sprouts and livers, and if you smile, I'm going to bust your teeth out. That's ridiculous. Jesus Christ said, you who are evil want to give your children good gifts. How much more does your Father in heaven want to give you? You see, if you're here today, you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, it's because you've been lied to. You've been lied to about who he is. You have bought into distorted images of who he is. He is the one who brings life. And in your heart of hearts, you're longing for life. You're just looking in all the wrong places. Life is not found in the right spouse, although spouses are good things. Life is not found even attending the right church, although churches, healthy ones, are good things. Life is not found in the accumulation of money and success and wealth and plaudettes and popularity. Life is not found in these things. So many of us are wandering around looking for life in Jesus. I'm in the same business that I was in over 2,000 years ago. My purpose is unchangeable. I want to give you life and life to the fullest. To say it with me again, his purpose is still unchangeable. And say this after me, his power is still available. I want you to listen very carefully here. Because... Have you ever noticed that sellers deal in power a lot? How to get it, how to use it, how to keep it. You dress for power, you eat for power, you shower for power. Well, maybe you don't shower for power. There's the power lunch. Everybody is looking for power. Eh, I don't know if I should. Okay, I'll tell this joke. It was this prison chaplain once. He was talking to a guy on death row. And the guy says, Reverend, can you help me out? I need some cover and I'm being executed tomorrow. And the chaplain turned to him and said, well, more power to you. You're the test service. I checked that out. It didn't go so well, so second service is not getting that. <laughs> you know, we never tell you, but the 9 o'clock is the practice service. So, Okay, so listen, Ephesians 1.20 says, I pray that you'll begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe in him. You understand, this is the same mighty power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That same power that burst open the grave over 2,000 years ago is available to you to now. I have some questions for you. Did you ever feel powerless to change a situation? Raise your hand. Did you ever feel powerless to change a relationship? Raise it really high. Did you ever feel powerless to change yourself? How about to change a bad habit? Have you ever had a personal energy crisis? Nothing is beyond God's power. Nothing. Sometimes we need power to start all over again, and some of you are in that place today. You've come here, and you need power for a new beginning. Everything has fallen apart in your life, or much has fallen apart, and you feel like Humpty Dumpty. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put you back together again. You feel like a total failure. What's the use? 
How can I get my life off of dead center? I can tell you I've been there. I can tell you he's faithful. God's power is power for you to start all over again. Nassau says that the most power needed in a rocket is getting it off the launch pad. So how do you get off dead center? You need God's power, and it's available to you today. If he was raised from the dead, he can work in your life. Sometimes we not only need power to kind of get off dead center to start all over again, but you need power just to keep going. Have you ever gotten halfway through a project and run out of steam? Ever gotten halfway through a career and wondered, is this all there is? Have you ever gotten halfway through your marriage and think, did I make a mistake? Can I tell you that Tracy and I have looked at each other several times and go, what the heck did we do? And we love each other. We tell everybody we have a dysfunctional marriage, but we wouldn't trade it for anybody else's dysfunctional marriage out there. But can I tell you, it's hard. And you need staying power. Have you ever gotten halfway through parenting and thought, am I going to make it? Anybody say amen to that? <laughs> Have you ever gotten halfway through life and thought, what is the use? God not only gives you starting power, but he gives you staying power. God gives us power to hang in there with him because he is the one who acts and wills according to his good purpose in us. He gives us persistence. He gives us perseverance, which the scripture says clearly pays off. It's the power of God that is work in us and through us. Because Jesus is alive today. His purpose has never changed. It's the same one. He says, I've come to give you life. And because he's alive today, his power is still available to you. And you can use that power if you have a relationship with him. Now, some of you come here today, it's Easter, and you're discouraged. And I want to give you a word of encouragement. God's got it for you in Philippians 4.13. He says, I have strength to face all situations by the power that Christ gives me. You see, he's not guaranteeing that he's going to take hardship out of your life. That's not the message. He said, in this world, you will have great trouble. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You know what? He's not going to change your circumstances. He's going to change you. He's going to change you so you can stand firm in the midst of the storms on the rock that is him and sing a song like, it is well with my soul. Now, Christians bleed when you cut them. We cry. But we have a hope that transcends all the pain because of Jesus Christ in our lives. I'm glad. I'm so happy that I don't have to try to figure life out on my own strength anymore. Can I tell you something? That was exhausting. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah. Frankly, I don't think I would have made it. There's too many pressures and too many stresses in this world. I think I probably would have copped out already by now, but I'm so grateful that the power of God is at work in my life. It's him. It's unmistakably him. Those of us who know him can point to this and say, I couldn't do it, but he did it in and through me. What difference does the resignation make? It makes a huge difference. It means that Jesus is still in the life-changing business, and that's his purpose. It means his power is still available to us today. The same power that blasted the tomb wide open and draw, brought Jesus back to life. It's available to you and to me today. But because Jesus is alive, it still means that his promises are reliable. Can you say that after me? His promises are still reliable. He carries out and fulfills all of God's promises, no matter how many of them there are. 
And listen to 1 Peter 1.3. We have been born again into a life full of hope through Christ's rising again from the dead. Now look, when you read through the New Testament, you realize that Jesus made a lot of incredible promises. He said some things like this. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That is pretty much a godly blank check. How many of you would like someone who is a billion, billion skillionaire? I don't know if there's such a thing as a skillionaire. What's after billion, trillion, quadrillion? I used to say Googleplex as kids. Anybody say that name, that word? It just meant like infinity or something. All right, somebody had a big bank account, trillions and billions and skillions of dollars. They said, here's a blank check. You can write it any way that you want. How many of you want that? How many of you know you would be really in bad situation if you got it? Jesus Christ basically wrote us a godly blank check, a kingdom blank check. He said, you ask for anything in my name, and I'll do it. The catcher there is in my name. You see, because if you come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you start wanting the things that he wants. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ is not so much concerned with changing your behavior. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people think that Christianity is just this, like, behavior modification program. Well, I just have to go and talk and act and dress like those people, and then I'll fit in, and I guess then I'll be a Christian. Can I tell you, that's not a Christian. Jesus Christ is not so much concerned about changing your behavior. You know what he wants you to change? He wants to change your heart. He wants you to want the things that he wants. So when he says, you ask for anything in my name, he says, look, my kingdom is advancing. I am sovereign over all things. My will will ultimately receive. So when you ask for something in my name and you actually participate with what I'm doing, I'm going to grant it. And I'm going to include you in it because I love you, because you're precious to me. See, he carries out and fulfills all of God's promises, no matter how many there are. Can I tell you, that's a full-time job. Because there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Imagine Jesus Christ carrying out all those promises, and he does. Why? Because he's alive today. Now, the promise is only as good as the dependability of the person who made it. How many of you ever had anybody break a promise to you? If you're alive, raise your hand. I'm breathing. But can I tell you something? If God makes you a promise... You can count on it. He's the most reliable person there ever was or ever will be. You can bet your life on it. He says in in, in here, 1 Peter 1, 3, we have been born again into this life full of hope through Christ raising again from the dead. You have got to have hope in your life. Hope is absolutely essential. You cannot cope without hope. Say that. I cannot cope without hope. I cannot cope without hope. You know, there was a study on hope done at Cornell University Medical School. Dr. Howard Wolf did a study of 25,000 POWs from World War II. They studied them under the most inhumane conditions and all of the torture they went through and the mistreatment and the malnourishment and the stress. They came to one conclusion after studying 25,000 prisoners of war. Men and women can withstand incredible pressure and stress as long as they have hope. The moment hope is gone, forget it. The hope is usually the last thing to go. You cannot live without hope. Hope is as important as the air that we breathe. If you're breathing right now, it means you're alive. If you're breathing right now, that is a gift from God. It is only by the grace of God that you are breathing right now. But can I tell you that hope is just as essential as that breath you are taking? Here's some questions for you. What is your source of hope? What are you putting your hope in? The government? 
God, I hope not. Can I emphasize that enough? Some of us speak like we're putting our hope in the government. Oh, my Lord, have mercy on us. Money? That's a pretty popular one. You're putting your hope in popular opinion? How about Rolling Stone magazine? But Dr. Phil, you're putting your hope in any of those things? Can you actually name your source of hope? If you can't, let me give you a hint. It's probably where you spend most of your time and your effort. It's where you run to when you're down or you're in trouble. It's what you think about most. That's where you're putting your hope. My question for you is, is it reliable? Is it faultless? Will it sustain you through thick and thin? I submit to you that there is only one thing that's absolutely, totally, irrevocably, completely reliable. It's the promises of God. The promises of God are the only thing that are 100% unreliable in your life. And there's only one person, his name is Jesus Christ, who is 100% reliable and good to keep his promises all the time. And because Jesus Christ is alive today, if he said it, it will happen. Amen? You can count on it. Now look, there are three categories of promises that I just want to hit on today. But if you're here today and Maybe you're not familiar with the Word of God. We want to give you a little gift. There's several hundred of these little promise books that we put together out at the kiosks on your way out today. It's called God's Promises to Live By. And I want to encourage you to pick up one of these. And I've been working through mine. And I'll tell you, every time I go to the Word of God and I hear what He's promising to me, He changes my life. He sets me free. He sets me free from all kinds of fears, all kinds of concerns. He actually breaks the chains off of me once again. He gives me resurrection power to start all over again. But I'm going to give you three categories of promises that you will find in Christ Jesus that you won't find anywhere else. Can you say this after me? My past is forgiven. My present has been redeemed. And my future is secure. Now, I'll tell you, if you believe those truths in the context of a relationship with Jesus Christ, he will set you free. Can I tell you something? When he died on that cross and he said, it is finished, every single sin that you ever have committed or that you will ever have committed was been forgiven in the name of Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ, on the cross of Jesus Christ. And you can take that to the bank. So when that enemy comes and tries to beat you up with your past you remind him of his future. Because we know where he's going, right? Amen? We know where he's going. Your past has been forgiven. It's a gift. It's not something you work for. It's given to you. He died. He said it is finished. He died for the sins of all mankind. Your present has been redeemed. That means it's been bought back. That means it makes sense. He has a plan for your life. And right now in this very moment... He wants to speak to you. The question is, are you listening to him? You've been bought back at a price. If you know Jesus Christ, you are no longer your own. You belong to him. And his Holy Spirit is in you. And right now, in this very moment, God has a word for you. And can I tell you how he always starts his word for me? He says, Jeff, I love you. You are my son, totally forgiven, fully pleasing, completely acceptable to me. I love you. Now let's get about the business of trusting me today. You see, 
right now, your present has been redeemed. And God, if he is in your life by the blood of Jesus Christ, has a word for you right now. And your future has been secured. See, what's your source of hope? Are you looking to your own ingenuity to get you out of a hole? Are you looking to the banker? Are you looking to the economy? What is your source of hope? Here's one of the most important promises that you will ever have from God. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not be judged, but has already passed from death to life. Jesus is speaking here. This verse is a great promise because it deals with the most common problem that everybody has, death. It's a universal problem. Everyone gathered here is terminally ill. How many of you know you will die? How many of you like to think about that? Last time I looked, the mortality rate was about 100%. Yet no one wants to talk about death. You don't believe me? Invite a bunch of people over to your house for dinner tonight, or maybe tomorrow night. doesn't matter, this week, sometime, or this month. Just invite a bunch of people over, and when they all sit down, say, hey, let's talk about death tonight. It's not a common conversation. I remember seeing an article of late called The Last Taboo. It wasn't about sex, it wasn't about homosexuality, it wasn't about anything that we kind of consider racy. It wasn't anything like that. It was about death. No one wants to talk about death. You know, why, why do we avoid talking about death? Because we fear the unknown. It's interesting to me that the very first words that Jesus said when he rose from the grave, after he conquered death, were do not be afraid. Praise the Lord. He knows that we are frightened people. Now, I can tell you this. I've been afraid of death. Now, Jeff, you're, you're like the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church. You believe in Jesus Christ, right? Why would you fear death? I'm human. Human people fear death. You know why? Because death was never supposed to happen. It wasn't God's original plan. It's a very unnatural thing to do. Do you not agree? It's not supposed to happen. I can tell you that some of us can hear that, ah, I never feared death. You know what? Have you ever had a near-death experience? You know, I had a stroke three and a half years ago. I feared death. It wasn't because I didn't know where I was going. I could probably have feared the suffering more than anything else. Anybody say amen? Yeah, I'm like, God, just take me out in the middle of my sleep. Don't you want to go that way? But Jesus has in the Bible 365 fear knots, one for every day of the year. And he says, don't be afraid. He says, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He will not be judged, but has already passed from death to life. How many of you would like to skip the final judgment? Put your hands up. Oh, my Lord. I'm going to ask the question again. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, have mercy on your people. How many of you would like to skip the final judgment? Do you think anybody is going to stand? He says, look, you will not be judged. Why? Because you have his righteousness. He who believes on me has passed from death to life. He says that death is a transfer from Christians to move on to greater things. 
You should just move on. What a great promise. He said the death for a believer is a transfer. Now that I no longer fear death, I enjoy life more. Listen to Charles Spurgeon. He said, when the time comes for you to die, you need not be afraid because death cannot separate you from God's love. The scripture says neither life nor death, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all of creation will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are going home to be with him. D.L. Moody said death may be the king of terrors, but Jesus Christ is the king of kings. Matthew Henry said he whose head is in heaven need not fear to put his feet in the grave. And James Augie said, death to the Christian is the funeral of all his sorrows and evils and the resurrection of all his joys. Isn't that not beautiful? Why could all of these people and so many more speak with such assurance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because of the promises of God? Listen, when the perishable has been closed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying is written that will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your sting? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if you are in Christ Jesus, when you pass from this earth, you are entering in to the joy, the most joyful time you can ever imagine in your life. How do we get this kind of confidence? Romans 10, 9 makes it very clear. If you confess with Jesus Christ with your mouth, if you confess him with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that's the resurrection. You will be saved. Revelation 3.20 says, Jesus says, speaking, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him. Maybe you are here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You go, the only reason I'm here is because somebody drugged me here. Can I tell you that's not true? You are here on divine appointment from God. And I believe that more than anything else. I don't know the state of your soul, but I can tell you this, God does. And I can tell you this, there is only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You see, Jesus is knocking on the door. and Maybe you're hearing him knock right now. If that's true, all you have to do is open the door and say, I believe, I receive. Lord, come into my life. These two verses I just read tell us what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to be grafted into his family. A Christian is not somebody who goes to church. Sitting in a church will not make you a Christian. It'll make you a Christian about as much as sitting in a chicken house will make you a chicken. Well, of course I'm a chicken. I'm sitting in a chicken house. No, you moron, you're not. And sitting in a church does not make you a Christian. Many of you say, well, I was born in the church. Well, if you're born in a car, does that make you a spare tire? I know people that were born in a car. They're not spare tires. You say, well, I got baptized. Look, you get baptized in the ocean until every fish knows you by your first name. That's not going to get you into heaven. You can say, well, I've joined the church. If you join the Lions Club, does it make you a lion? No. A Christian is someone who has a relationship with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
spilled on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin. Can I tell you it's simple? But can tell you it's not easy, it's impossible apart from the saving grace of God in your life. And can I tell you 30 some years ago when I got the call of Jesus in my life, everything inside of me was screaming, no! And yet he was calling me and I went to him and by the grace of God, he reached down and he saved me. He picked me up out of the muck and the mire, the slimy pit, and he put my feet on a rock, amen? Someone who is a Christian decides to give their life to Jesus Christ. When he becomes Lord, that means he's the boss. He's the manager now. He's the CEO. He's the executive of your life. He calls the shots. You don't get to call him anymore. You see, I believe that Jesus Christ is alive today and that he has risen from the dead because he has wrecked my life in such a beautiful way. I know so many of you could testify to the same thing. You had your own plans, you had your own way, you had your own will, you had your own strength, and he wrecked you in such a beautiful way. He leveled you, and he said, no, you're mine. You don't get to do it your way anymore, because look where your way is leading. Death. My way, it leads to life. You see, he stands at the door and he knocks. Even little children, maybe better than we can understand this. A little child can just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Would you say that with me? Jesus, come into my heart. You see, it's so simple. We complicate it. We make it hard. But this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to make the most important decision of your entire life the decision to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, a lot of people ask with the resurrection, how, what kind of difference does it make? And can I tell you, if you don't receive Christ, it makes no difference at all. Scripture says that we will end in one of two eternal destinations. One will be in life with ever, with God. And the other one will be in his absence forever. It's called hell. Can I tell you, I don't know what hell is like, but I think I visited there. It's life without God. And can I tell you, you do not want to be in that place. You don't know if you're gonna leave this place today and God's gonna call your number. And I'm not trying to incite you with fear other than a holy fear that you need Jesus Christ in your life now. So if you are here now and you do not know him, maybe you feel your heart palpitating a little bit. Maybe you feel the hair standing up on the back of your neck. I don't know, but I can tell you what it felt like for me over 35 years ago. He is the hound of heaven, and he was chasing me down. And maybe he's chasing you down now. So I'm going to ask that we bow our heads together. And I'm going to ask that we say a simple prayer together aloud. And if you're here, and you're saying this prayer for the first time, and you're confessing with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, and you believe in your heart, you will be saved. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I am a sinner. 
I have lived my life for me. Lord, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I now accept your gift of forgiveness. And I believe you died for me on the cross to save me. I come to you now and I ask you to enter my heart and take control of my life and do whatever pleases you. I love you, Lord. And I thank you that I will spend all eternity with you. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Now can I tell you, if you just said that prayer for the first time and you believed in your heart, you trusted Jesus Christ, you have passed from death to life. Can we celebrate that? In the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that your purposes are still the same today, that your power is still available as today, and that your promises are more than reliable. God, we praise you that you are building your church and that the gates of hell will never prevail against you. We thank you that you are reaching down and saving more and more for the glory of your name. So we lift this time to you now and pray in the precious name of Jesus Christ that you would help us to celebrate and worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand together and worship.